Hey everyone, it's Wes. I wanted to do a quick intro for this episode because it's a little different from our typical episode. First of all, happy Halloween. It's our annual spooky episode. Me and Jeff were recently on Bigfoot Collectors Club. It's a podcast all about cryptids, the unexplained, a lot of other stuff. We had a lot of fun with the hosts on that podcast. So we invited them to be on ours. And I know a lot of you asked for some Bigfoot stories. So they brought some Bigfoot stories. Uh, We do a lot of just basic discussion and conversation about Bigfoot, too. If you're really just here for the stories, you can go ahead and skip to around minute 27. That's when the stories start. But I would invite you to listen to the whole thing because it's actually a really interesting conversation, I think. Uh, Also, just really quickly wanted to talk about our subscriber channels. We have our Patreon and our Apple Grizz Club. There's some really great subscriber content on there. Mike recently did an episode on giraffes that we all really loved. And then we all did a review of Snakes on a Plane, which was super fun too. So those are both available and you get access to our whole back catalog of bonus episodes. Finally, one last plug. Some of you may not know that we do have Tooth and Claw merch. If you go to toothandclawpod.com, you'll see our merch options. We've got some really fun new sweatshirts, plus a bunch of other shirts, stickers, some really cool things on there. So check it out. We think you'll like it. With no further ado, here's the episode. Okay, Tooth and Claw, we're back. So we're a wildlife podcast. Wes is a wildlife biologist who doesn't know where his degree is. I'll find it one of these days. is our computer guy and our best friend, and I was Wes's field tech with black bears. Yes. And we try to give animal encounter stories and kind of explain why the animal behaved the way it did. Yeah. Uh, Wes, you were just in Brazil looking at birds and cats, right? I was. Yeah. Just got back cool. yesterday. Uh, I was there for two weeks with a group looking for jaguars. We found four different jaguars, which was fun. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, they were different ones. They were. Yeah. Yeah. We could recognize that they were different. I took a lot of photos, so it's pretty easy to tell from the photos. Did you see too. four birds? Uh, I saw at least four birds. <laughs> Probably a lot more than that. <laughs> Uh, it was great. I had a really fun time and it was, um, yeah, you know, I, I speak Portuguese. I love Brazil. So it was just, a. it was nice to get back to a place that I love so much and see some big cats that I've never seen before. We saw an ocelot too, which was really cool. Um, oh, and you saw oh, some cool. giant anteaters. Yeah, giant right? anteaters. Uh, really... Go listen to our bonus episode Mike did on those. Yeah. And I caught some piranhas and we just did a piranha episode too. So. Oh, really? Yeah. How was I, that? It was good easy yeah mike <laughs> i only know ocelot from the video game series metal gear solid what are they exactly they're a small cat a small spotted cat see um, that's not what i was led to believe but salvador dolly had one as a pet you know goes oh right yeah along i saw pictures the, of him when i yeah, was doing I think it was yeah, called okay. mamu or something like that babu but yeah mamu, babu something. that was it babu um yeah, but back on the piranha thing you really quick. You think they're cooler than like a bobcat? I like do. The, yeah, yeah, definitely. Or, okay. Yeah. Uh, the piranha thing, you know, Salvador at the end Dali of- never had a bobcat for a pet. <laughs> That's all you need to know. At the end of our piranha episode, I kind of came to the conclusion that they aren't that dangerous, but still kind of scary. And I was like, when I was fishing for piranha, I was chucking these chunks of raw meat in. And the second they would hit the water, there would just be piranha like 
nailing it. And then once I threw in just a couple chunks and they were all just like doing the little feeding frenzy in there. And there's nothing that would have made me go in that water where I was throwing that. Your piranha episode made me think like they for sure killed people. Okay. Yeah. I would agree with that. Like they might end up drowning, but it's like they drown because they're being eaten Eaten by piranhas. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. I don't know. Um, We'll have to dig into it a little deeper at some point. You want to introduce our guests that are just kind of listening in right now? Yeah, we have some really special guests today. You guys may have just heard me and Jeff on this really cool podcast called Bigfoot Collectors Club. Um, We talked about the Michigan Dogman. We talked about stuff that we may or may not believe in. I got another excuse to tell my cabin cabin story. story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which I'm going to spare you guys me telling that again on this year's Halloween episode, which we're doing right now. But uh, yeah, I want to introduce Michael McMillan and Bryce Johnson from Bigfoot Collectors Club. They're here to join us. We're going to talk about cryptids. We're going to get into where some might real our fans stuff. know them from. Uh, they're both actors, so um, mm. I you know you can so look cool. up their IMDb's and figure out where you might know them from. <laughs> uh, Michael and Bryce, it's good to have you guys here. Hey, hey, great to be here. Does this like help our um, what's that thing? The degrees to Kevin Bacon. Have you guys worked with him or you know him? I since stood. You're actors? This is Michael. I stood next to Kevin Bacon and Kara Sedgwick uh, about sixteen, fifteen <laughs> years ago at a at a corporate concert for TNT played by Lenny Kravitz. It was during like the TNT upfronts when I was on a TNT show. That's not how the the game works, Michael. Uh, Yeah, we're two uh, steps away now. I'm I'm counting it. I'm one away. (laughs) So I used to work in, I used to work in Blockbuster and, and we would play this game to pass time. And it's a great game. You have to name, you have to start with an actor or, or actress and an actor in a movie and then an actor and an actress in that movie that can get to Kevin Bacon, and you have to do it within like three tries. Yeah. I just destroyed the rules or whatever, but but that's the game. And uh, <laughs> it's who, a fun who, game. Yeah, it's a fun game. Who knew uh, in this business we'd all be so close to Footloose, man? I'm ready to dance right now. <laughs> I'm trying to think. So let's let's actually see uh, if you can do this, Bryce. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, what to get to Kevin Bacon? Okay, yeah. well I'll pass it to you guys. I'll I'll start the game. Um, no, no, no. For oh. us, that's what they were asking. Oh, how- what is our degree of separation from Kevin Bacon so that they can be part of the, part of the pattern? Oh my God. Okay, how would we do it? Let's let's see if we can do it. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll go to we'll go. Michael was in True Blood. Yeah, uh, and so was Anna Paquin. Okay, let's go Anna Paquin. Okay, she was in. Uh, the Irishman. There, you got a lot of guys there. Pacino, De Niro, oh, yeah. De Niro, De Niro. Uh, De Niro I was mean, an Irishman who was also in Sleepers. Wasn't it De Niro in Sleepers? <laughs> I don't know. Was he? In I one? think so. Because we'll if he's in Sleepers, we can get to Kevin Bacon. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm checking on IMDb right now. He was indeed in Sleepers. There you, there you go. go. De Niro did it. to Sleepers did it. Bacon. <laughs> Boom. And there's probably even a shorter way, but we did it. We yeah. did it. Yeah, so um, we're all connected. No, I feel really good about how close to him and, I am. And Bryce and I have been on screen together in a show called Major Crimes, so the, the, it connects directly. All right. And he's not in that. No, 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 no. Kevin Bacon. No, no. Okay. Because that would be the quickest mm. route to him if you could get him You're on right. That. I should have just gone in the major crimes direction. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. Um, well, I was going to talk a little bit 
about my experience trying to get a McRib since it's back right now. Okay. <laughs> but I think I think the degrees of Kevin Bacon covers it. I think we can just go straight to the episode now. What All right. Think? Yeah, I guess. Or do you I want to hear my McRib experience? I, mean, I, I always want to hear one. Today you okay. texted us and you were like, I finally got my dirty little hands on a McRib. <laughs> Which to me was like... What, you drove to McDonald's and ordered one? Well, yeah. I went <laughs> randomly two days ago, and it like, had signs everywhere, like McRib's back, and they're like, oh, we don't have it. It'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. So I go the next day, and they're like, oh, it'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So I go today, and they're like, oh, it's going to be here tomorrow. Uh-huh. And I was like so upset because I really didn't want to eat any more like cheeseburgers from mcdonald's yeah. Sounds like oh, a so you didn't just walk away reason, you were like well i wanted a mcrib <laughs> you ordered anyway but then i go home and i look on the app and you can order them on the app from the same mcdonald's <laughs> so i like ordered it on the app and drove back and they gave me oh, something what? really <laughs> depressing about that yeah. <laughs> <But> then, <laughs> it's like such a depressing oh, yeah. story <laughs> I know. I, it's like my number one food where it's like a food I know is gross that I enjoy eating. So I wanted to ask everyone, like, what's your number one food that, like, you recognize it's kind of gross, but you enjoy mm. it? Like, gas station hot dog or something Never like that. Never done a gas station hot dog. I'm too scared of them. I th- yeah, I mean, me I, too. I think the grossest has got to be, like, a Taco Bell Taco Supreme. I mean, you, it's, it is I disgusting. just had one of those. Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> the it's the great, but about? it is gross. Yeah. It's yeah. gross. Yeah, that's true. It tastes good, but you do not feel <laughs> no at all good about yourself when you're eating anything from Taco Bell. It's the steak at Taco Bell for me that's like, I really like, and I know it's just awful steak. Yeah. I would I have know. to say mine is like... Any, I love McDonald's, but any burger from McDonald's, I just I feel it like sit in my chest somehow afterward, and I just feel bad. It feels but like just, you're eating Play-Doh. Yeah, like but when people say Play-Doh. exactly when people say like, "Oh, McDonald's is gross," it's like, yeah, I get it's bad for you, but it is scientifically, you know, they have gone through every little tiny thing to make sure that that shit is delicious, and it yeah. is delicious, like. <laughs> You cannot Part argue of the problem that. With McDonald's, is like the food in the bag never smells good. Mm. Oh, I disagree. I don't think. Oh, no. like I think it tastes. The good, second it gets in my car, I can't good. wait to eat. I it think it because so good. I think because the food in the bag, it does kind of have that, and you guys should relate to this as wilderness dudes. It does kind of smell like the inside of a tent in the morning. You know what I mean? Oh, it does yeah. kind of have. Definitely. I love like, that smell, though. Someone's been farting in here all <laughs> yeah. night long. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Somebody's I been used farting to, in my McDonald's bag. bag of farts. <laughs> I used to live right next to, well, not right next to, but pretty close to where I used to live in Colorado. There was this dog food factory, and oh. it's the exact same smell as when I drive by a McDonald's. So that's a good pick, Wes. Mine right. is, um, so when I was out on like a little camping trip with like a scouting camping, I forget exactly what it was. Uh, the leader hacked up a bunch of spam and pineapple chunks in this giant cast iron pot and just put it over the fire and nobody else even touched it. They didn't want anything to do with it. Every time I'd pass by the pot, I'd shovel (laughs) (laughs) secretively because I didn't want anyone to see me in my shame. That sounds good. It's so good. good. 
Yeah. I, I only spam. eat spam when our Hawaiian cousins visit or when I go to Hawaii, but I'm yeah. always like, spam's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I think too. Like, I need to be eating more spam. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. Down. I don't eat enough. Yeah. Bryce, what's your answer? Well, you know, I guess I, I'm kind of had my fill of Chipotle. I have two kids, and, and, and they're religiously mm. on Friday night, we let them sort of eat whatever they want and their go-to like is chipotle every time like they do not get sick of it uh me on the other hand See, that's like a like that's like i'm eating good if i'm eating good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i couldn't think well, of much that i don't uh that i don't that's mind the lifestyle of a rich and famous actor yeah that's right that's right um so wait before we get into the meat of what we're doing here i, I actually wanted to ask you because i was not on the episode with wes and jeff Unfortunately, I wanted to hear where you guys came down on Wes's cabin story. Was it was it interesting? Was it believable? Yeah. Not only was did it you, interesting, okay. our listeners loved it. Loved oh, did they? It, it got oh, a lot good. of play on our Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club. If you guys want to go look at these pictures and read the comments, uh, we had people like sending in their theories about what it could be. I sent yep. one over to Wes, uh, one of our listeners, and I forgive me if you're listening to this, dear listener. I can't remember uh, your name off the top of my head, but somebody sent it over and was like, I think it's a double exposure of the tree line above the cabin. And I was like, okay, this is kind of a good theory, right? Mm. Like if you want to, you could like start with, okay, they are these three things in the window. They could be trees, but I don't think it lines up. I don't yeah, think I, it lines I see Wes shaking his head. No, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaking his head so. Hard. And in fact, <laughs> he's like, "Those are demons." I know. <laughs> in fact, our listeners are like, "Ooh, the one that's like you only see part of it. You see from the shoulder down. Like they're picking out all the mm-hmm. fine details. Like mm-hmm. there's something yeah. going on there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards. So on Bigfoot Collectors Club, and Mike, maybe if there's time at the end of the show, we should do this with you since you weren't on the show, but we, we like to play a game called Bullshit or Believe It. Oh, no. Run... I've listened to a few of your episodes now. I was hoping we'd do this. So we run down a list of phenomenon, and it, you know we're kind of open-minded about all of it, but we're sort of like get a litmus test for people by by saying if something's bullshit or whether they believe it. And I I'm li- I very heavily lean towards Believe It with Wes's story. Oh, cool. Good. Well, there you go, Wes. No, Vindicated. No doubt about it. And, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Just because... It's not that uncommon. What's uncommon about really? Wes's story is that he happened to capture yeah. it beautifully with an incredible camera. But people report stuff like this all the time, especially in dark places and wooded areas. So it's not uncommon to see an apparition or, or something moving through the woods or to have a, a vision of something. But it is uncommon to get a great photo of it. And Wes, you did a nice job of that. Thanks, guys. Well, Thanks. Glad to have me... someone that believes me. Around. Sorry, I just yelled at my dogs <laughs> to be quiet, and I realized that I muted the Zoom, but not my recording at home. Uh, that's so cool. You're fine. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Uh, my, so the other side of it, here's a question for you. So let's say they were like the demons with antlers. So why are they just like going to a cabin out in the middle of nowhere just to look at Wes it's for cold a few there, seconds man. and not like kill him or something? They're just going to look at you a couple seconds and then leave? Well, this is why I was on the show, and I feel like now we're relitigating the entire thing, which is fine. I'll, I'll talk about this till the you know the cows come home. I mean, he's cute. But yeah, I mean, I think this is all, this is why I was like, what, what happened before this? Did Wes somehow, you know, unintentionally invoke 
these mm-hmm. things into being. Also, sometimes I think spirits, nature spirits, ghosts, all this stuff, whatever you want to call it, are just passing through all the time. And sure. maybe it was like if he just I, caught one in, in camera just by happened chance. Happened to catch one, maybe like as lame as it sounds, like the bad pitch version of this is like maybe all the alignment of the the starlight into his lens at that particular angle at that particular moment happened to just allow the camera lens to get a glimpse through through the veil at these other things that are there. And maybe, and I don't mean to say this, Wes, except this is good news. That if they are always in your home, then it shows that they're not scary, <laughs> that they're not bad. You know what I mean? Maybe you just got a glimpse of something Friendly. that's there. Or like nature spirits that follow us around and guard him on his adventures or help aid him do the work that he does. There's that, I too. like that. Yeah. You know, we We're going to go with that. We hear it all the time. People are... Uh, one thing that I, I, we find in common is people don't realize they've captured something until they're sort of at home going through their old photos. It's only right. then that they realize, oh, shit, what is that... Yeah. What is that strange orb of light or what is that strange aspiration? Uh, so it, it's always sort of looking through those Aspiration? Old, uh, 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 what Apparition? Is it? Apparition, thank you. Yes. We're becoming uh, old men who like, like make malpropisms <laughs> and, and that's a That's a motivated uh, spirit, Michael, an aspirationist. <laughs> yeah, uh, an aspirational aspiration. You guys are here for mixing up words. You're you're at the right podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know. uh, but I well, love that. To be picture. fair to Wes, too, like... He's pretty interesting. He has good show and or good taste in shows and movies. So like, if I was a ghost, I would follow him around. Yeah, you know? hang out in his house. Well, great. I I'm glad I got a rundown. I was thinking about listening to the episode that Wes and Jeff were on, but it's kind of like I didn't want to see my friends have fun without me. Fair enough. <laughs> it's like podcast cuckoldry a little bit. Like, sure, sure. I didn't, but I mean, it was. I'm sure it was great. Good job, guys. This is Thanks, why Mike. Riley, our our on mic producer, will never listen to this episode. Oh, Riley, yeah. <laughs> we'll make him listen. So, you guys, you guys, your Bigfoot Collectors Club. So, do you like 100 percent? believe in bigfoot and we're going into a bigfoot story too right a couple bigfoot stories uh i'll let bryce kick off that one the answer to that one sure i mean you know look i think the word belief uh is is a tainted word so you're you're asking us to uh place allotment with something almost like religion you know we're really just going on faith says the guy whose podcast has a game called bullshit or believe it i know i know (laughs) and i and i host and produce a a show on travel channel called expedition bigfoot but i want to get to the bottom of this mystery and i don't want to bullshit around by saying oh yeah it's just some flesh and blood unconfirmed north american wood ape and there's one on every continent we just haven't gotten one on a lab table yet Bullshit, I say. There's something more to this phenomenon than just that. That doesn't mean that there isn't a physical manifestation of this creature. Uh, Perhaps he's an interdimensional interloper. Uh, I'm not really sure, but I, I, I do believe these witnesses, when I speak with them, and they tell me that they saw this thing with their own two eyes, they watched it walk in front of them on a path, Walk, uh, look into their soul with its eyes and then walk away. So I believe that there is a phenomenon happening and I believe these witnesses when they when they tell me. Um, but do I believe that this is just a uh, an unclassified species, a subspecies of uh, 
uh, of us or perhaps a relic hominid. I don't know. I haven't sort of, uh, you know, discarded that altogether. I'm keeping my options open, but I'm trying to get to the bottom of this thing. And there's a lot of what ifs about this Bigfoot phenomenon that just don't seem to want to be put into a corner. I love that Bryce's answer to this question is like, I don't believe in that crazy thing. I believe in an even crazier thing. Interdimensional interloper. I like it. Something's going on. We're not sure what, like, it's not like. Let me put it. To, we, we're not sure what it is, but there's something. I think so. Let me put it to you this way. Could, do you really think that there could be uh, dozens and dozens of different subspecies of this creature uh, roaming planet Earth, one on every continent, described in different ways, different heights, different to- different numbers of toes, different numbers of fingers, all these different characteristics. Could there really be that many? It's possible. Nature has a funny way of, of 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 reproducing and and stuff as I'm sure you guys know, but but I I I don't think that that's what it is. Just. There's so much else that's going on with this phenomenon. People report all different kinds of stuff. Like, you know, you get these balls of lights that people report. I've seen them myself. You get you get strange sort of uh, what we would what we would uh, deem paranormal. People people talk about this sort of like getting telepathic communication from these creatures. Les Stroud, Survivor Man. You guys know him. Well, he had a show called Surviving Bigfoot, and he was hesitant hesitant to talk about sort of the paranormal aspects that he experienced on that show because he didn't know how to deal with them. It was only when he spoke with Wes Germer on Sasquatch Chronicles that he opened up about his experience of hearing these Bigfoot creatures sort of say, we're ready to reveal ourselves to you if you would like us to. And he said, no effing way. I'm not ready because he had never experienced that before. And this is coming from Les Stroud, a man who, you know, I would say is a pretty honest and upfront guy about what he's putting on the television screen. So it does it does mean more too when you kind of like have to force it out of someone or like they're not like upfront with it right away because they don't know if people will believe it or something like that. You know, totally. Michael, what do you think? uh, I it's funny, you know, my. I, I, I cycle every every year doing the podcast. I cycle. I go, I think it's a relic hominid. I think it's an undiscovered primate. I think it's something that's very close to human, close to chimpanzee, very good at hiding and keeping away from people, very intelligent, has evolved to live in the forest and stay away from people. And then I'll go, well, some of these stories are just too weird for it to just be that. And some of them feel like they're more like alien encounter stories. And in some stories, they literally walk out of UFOs. And then you start to throw up your hands in the air and go, I don't know. And then you come back around and you go, okay, this is all some sort of manifestation of our collective unconsciousness, some sort of Jungian archetypes come to life that represent... You know, then I start going like, is is the is planet Earth literally dreaming these things up as like waking hallucinations? Are they holograms that are like interact between the Earth and our brains psychically? Like I literally go around and do all this stuff. I'll always hit a moment where I'm like, this is all bullshit. Nothing's here, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And then I start back into no, there has to be something behind this. I, I just think the thing that comes up time and time again, you know, I think the thing that Bryce is really talking about is these stories, these Bigfoot stories come on a spectrum. And a lot of them sound like encounters with 
a a a type of uh, gorilla or a human like gorilla, you know, and then some of them are much weirder. Um, I don't know how to account for all of that. I'm not sure what all of that means. I'm not sure we'll ever have the answer to that. But I do tend to always fall back on the possibility that there is some type of undiscovered primate that is migrating uh, in large, you know, in, in, in different continents around the world. Uh, that are just happen to be seen every now and then their numbers are really 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 tiny and they are really you know these are nomadic animals that are very good at avoiding people when they want to yeah because there's just too many stories of people saying i know what i saw yeah I think, and you know, we talked about this on your show a little bit, but as a biologist, like that's kind of the hardest one for me to wrap my head around because, um, like when a new mammal is discovered, it's a big deal. Like if we find a new tiny primate in the forest of Papua New Guinea or something, it's like, wow, how did this thing slip our observations for so long? Something that's like, you know, the size of your fist. And so for me, the idea of having a large hominid that's like, you know, eight feet tall or whatever existing in, in Northwestern forests, like in the United States, in a place where there's like literally 29 miles is the furthest that you can be from a road in the, in the continental United States. The fact that they could exist without us having any real tangible proof of them defies my mind as a biologist. that, That explanation for me just doesn't make sense. But I'm with you guys where I think I'm my mind is always open to the unexplainable. Um, and I do agree, like when you do talk to people that have had those experiences, it can be very convincing. Like I have friends that have those experiences. And when they tell me, I'm, I'm like, wow, this person saw something that I can't explain. And I believe them. And like, I would feel that I would feel bad if people didn't believe me when I told them my cabin story that I saw something that I couldn't explain, but like, I don't blame people when they don't still, because it's like unexplainable. Absolutely. And I want to speak on that just for, for a second, because I think there's a sort of a misconception as, as, as to somebody who might have an encounter or see a Bigfoot that they're going to get some fame and get their name in the newspaper and they're going to get some money or whatever. Actually, yeah. the opposite is quite true. Uh, they they lose respect in their community quite fast. Often, they're they're hesitant to tell their friends and family about it, an encounter that they had. They're definitely hesitant to tell their their work and their employer. Uh, they don't want to sound like a crazy person, and they relatively they just keep it mum. They don't want to like you know disclose it to too many people for fear of ridicule. You know, so when these people come out about their their testimony, because that's really what it is, they're really putting it out all on the line and that you know that really only represents i would say 10 percent 10 percent of the actual accounts uh encounters that people have uh you know stanton friedman who's a famous uh ufologist he used to do speeches at a ufo convention he'd say how many people have seen a ufo and you know about 90 percent of the room would uh, raise their hand and he'd go okay how many people reported that UFO? And about all the hands went down, and it was only left with about 10% of those people. And I think the same works for, for Bigfoot encounters. I think people are running into these creatures more often than not. Huh. Well, we'd love to I hear... I wouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. 
wouldn't. Unless I had a picture. I, I'd yeah, like, I probably yeah, wouldn't yeah. either. Um, it's a weird looking bear. We'd love to hear. <laughs> we know you guys brought a couple of your more um, interesting attack stories involving cryptids or Bigfoot. And uh, we'd love to hear them if you guys yeah. have Let's a minute to share yeah. them. Great. Bryce, Try you want to wanna kick it us. off? Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, let's do it chronologically, right? We should Oh, well, then, I thought you were doing one, I was doing the other. Oh, which one do you want me to do? Uh, I'll do my hero, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, right? Uh, Well, Well, apparently our communication fell through when I said, I'll cover Uh the Teddy Roosevelt story, you do the Abe Canyon story. I'll do Abe Canyon. I'll do Abe Canyon. You thumbsed up on that text. Well, we just just tipped our bit, but that's okay. Michael, why don't you tell him about... Uh, our ex-president's uh, great story, and you guys will appreciate this because it came from a from a hunting memoir, uh, and this is the only account in the entire book uh, that's anecdotal. The rest of the book is uh, his actual hunting accounts, uh, and this was uh, from 1893, The Wilderness Hunter by Theodore Roosevelt, called Bauman's Story. This, this will make it. Go ahead. This will make it two episodes in a row that feature Teddy Roosevelt for us. Too. Yeah. Ted. So, yeah. So this story, like Bryce said, is anecdotal. It's told secondhand, and and there is no eyewitness account of what the animal was that attacked. But I point to this story because Teddy Roosevelt told this story secondhand in The Wilderness Hunter, and I'm going to read some stuff that he actually wrote in the book, some of his passages, because I think they're cool. Um but this was a story that was told to him by a a hunter and a trapper that he knew uh, that went by the last name of Bauman. And he describes this guy as being like old school frontiersman, tough dude of German descent. And the one skeptical thing that I mean, and actually, Teddy Roosevelt's pretty skeptical about this whole story. Um, but there are details. There are details in this story that are pretty low key at the time for the time and even today you kind of have to hunt down this story and look for it and there are a couple things in this secondhand story that he wrote in the early 1890s before bigfoot was a term before sasquatch was a term where you go that's a sasquatch story trope this is a sasquatch story trope and he's almost describing something before there was the lexicon for it. Yeah, I was I was going to ask. So he was president in the early, like the turn of the century, basically, right? Early 1900s. So is this kind of one of the formative Bigfoot I don't, stories that I don't, exists? Or? I don't think it is a formative Bigfoot story, and it wasn't at the time. It's only later that okay. Bigfoot enthusiasts have gone and found this story and gone, wait a minute, he's pro- he might be talking about a Bigfoot. So that's another reason he was president. So we can trust. We can trust (laughs) all U.S. presidents to tell us the (laughs) truth. Uh, But anyway, this is a cool story. So I believe this took place in Montana. I could be mistaken about Mm -hmm. that. Um, But he describes as being up near the Salmon uh, Fork River and the the Wisdom River, Um, and this guy Bauman. So he was like he's an old school trapper. He is this old German guy, and, and and Roosevelt was like, so he's really into like ghosts and spirits. He might be a little superstitious, and this might have just been a regular animal attack, and he might be putting on some sort of elfin uh, or spiritual, uh, you know, description on this thing. But this monster is referred to 
by Bauman and by Teddy Roosevelt as a goblin because they don't have the word for Sasquatch and they don't have the word for, for Bigfoot yet. So basically, and I'm telling this mostly off the top of my head, but Bauman... So hunters know what a bear is. So this this guy is not telling this we're get, story. We're getting there. We're getting okay, there. I get excited. Bryce likes to always jump ahead. I get so Bryce excited. jumping ahead. Two wins. Yeah. We'll, we'll go Bryce with tells it. his story. He's starting on page 75. You know yeah. what I mean? He doesn't yeah. care about I any like of the bills. Efficient. Up. Yeah, I like that. So... These so Bauman told this story to Roosevelt, and Roosevelt said this took place twenty or you know when Bauman was a young man. So this must take place sometime probably in the eighteen, I'd say sixties, maybe eighteen fifties, somewhere around then. So Bauman and his unnamed hunting partner are up in this Pacific Northwest, or I guess Montana is not Pacific, you know Pacific Northwest, but they're out in the wilderness. They're up in the mountains. And they have gone out to a location to do beaver hunting. And they're setting up beaver traps. They've set up camp. And they're told before they go there, this place where you're looking for beaver is a uh, haunted place. There was apparently an animal attack that took place. Some prospectors came across another hunter's body years before and they could not it was ripped in half and they could not identify what had killed uh, this trapper so everyone was like don't go up in this part of the mountains uh there's something up here that kills people so bauman and his trapper hunter uh friend were like well that we hear there's really good beaver up here so they go they go and they set up camp they set up a lean-to and they go out. Mike's always saying that. Yeah, exactly. I was waiting for someone to pick that up. So they go. They go out into. They set up all their beaver traps upriver, and they come back to their campsite night one, and their camp has been overturned, and everything's kicked over. Their lean to is ripped down, and they they immediately assume a bear has come through and rummaged through all their stuff. Um. But then, and they see tracks, and they're like, okay, whatever. They clean everything up. They make dinner. And this this part comes from uh, Teddy Roosevelt's book, The Wilderness Hunter. I'm going to read it to you. And while Bauman was making ready supper, it being already dark, his companion began to examine the tracks more closely and soon took a brand from the fire to follow them up where the intruder had walked along a game trail after leaving the camp. When the brand flickered out, he returned and took another, repeating his inspection of the footprints very closely. Coming back to the fire, he stood by it a minute or two, peering out into the darkness, and suddenly remarked, Bauman, that bear has been walking on two legs. So they, so this is where I get the chills in the, in the story. Again, this is before any Bigfoot or Sasquatch story is popular in Western culture, at least by European settlers in the West. So these guys look at these tracks, they spend some time looking at them, and they decide they can't identify them. And at one point, they even consider these could have been made by a human. We're not sure. So they stay up that night, and they're, 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 they're awake in their tent when they smell this horrendous stench. And this is another Bigfoot story dinger before these things were ever uh, shared wide scale. The thing that a, a way you know a Bigfoot is around, according to legend, is you will get this musky, 
dank, disgusting raw meat smell that both of these guys get a whiff of this. And they hear some sounds. They go out. They look. They can't see anything. The smell goes away. No more sounds. They sleep the rest of the night, right? But they're left with this really eerie feeling the entire time they're out there. And they're planning to be out there for a while. But by day two, they're like, we are being watched. There is something out here watching us, and it's freaking us out. Um, So I think they do another night there. There's uh, some more weird activity. Can't figure out what's going on. Everyone's getting the spooks. The next day, day like three or four, Bauman's like, this right and his buddy's like yeah let's get out of here i don't like the vibe and they talk about this sense and we might read it in this passage next passage i have but 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 teddy roosevelt writes about this primordial forest sort of closing in on them and feeling like they were completely out of their element here and there was something old and something eerie watching them tracking them following them so he's like all right let's do this they were out they were out hunting away from the camp they split up bauman goes to collect the beaver in the traps and his buddy goes to clear up the camp and they're like we'll meet back at camp and we'll get the hell out of here but let's get that let's get the beavers first so bauman goes up checks the traps there's plenty of beavers there he takes a couple hours cleaning them up you know, do, do, preparing the carcasses, collecting the carcasses. He comes back down uh, to camp, and it's in this moment when he's going back to camp that Bauman describes, the, like, the forest starts to go silent, and he's like, there is something watching me, and it is freaking me out. So he gets into, like, I got to be quiet, and I got to go low, and I got to go slow to get back to camp. So he gets back to camp, and he sees that there's a thin plume of smoke coming up from the campfire and he like calls out for his buddy and there's no answer and he's like something's going on here so i'm going to jump back into the to the story in the wilderness hunter here so teddy roosevelt writes at first bauman could see nobody nor did he receive an answer to his call stepping forward he again shouted as if as he did so his eye fell on the body of his friend stretched beside the trunk of a great fallen spruce rushing toward it the horrified trapper found that the body was still warm but that the neck was broken while there were four great fang marks in the throat the footprints of the unknown beast creature printed deep in the soft soil told the whole story the unfortunate man having finished his packing had sat down on the spruce with his face to the fire and his back towards the dense woods to wait for his companion while thus waiting his monstrous assailant which must have been lurking in the woods waiting for a chance to catch one of the adventurers unprepared came silently up from behind walking with long noiseless steps and seemingly still on two legs evidently unheard it reached for the man and broke his neck by wrenching his head back with its forepaws while it buried its teeth in his throat. It had not eaten the body, but apparently had romped and gambled around in it uncouth, ferocious glee, occasionally rolling it over and over, and had then fled back into the soundless depths of the woods. Bauman, utterly unnerved and believing that the creature with which he had to deal with was some either half-human or half-devil 
Some great goblin beast abandoned everything but his rifle and struck off at speed down the pass, not halting until he reached the beaver meadows where he had hobbled pony, where the hobbled ponies were still grazing. Mounting, he rode onwards through the night until beyond reach of pursuit. And that's wow. the story. And Whoa. Roosevelt said, as this guy told me the story, he would get choked up and freaked out telling it and like lose his breath. And he was like, I've never seen a hunter, a trapper, especially one as tough as this guy, get freaked out by such an animal attack. Yeah. Huh. I will say, yeah. like, you know, I again, like, as you tell this story, I, I try and think of other options of what it could be. And I and I like where he says, you know, it wasn't fed on. Um, that does kind of maybe rule out a mountain lion attack just because a mountain lion would try to immediately probably feed or at least cache the body unless Bauman returning like scared the cat off. Sure. Um, but the thing that did kind of stand out to me, and this again is just me, you know, playing the biologist dead, devil's advocate here. Being a nerd. Um, is the, a goblin's advocate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, goblin's advocate. <laughs> the fact that the body was like tousled and that it looked like it had been rolled around on and everything, that is something that a bear will do in a defensive attack. If a bear feels threatened and decides to attack someone, it kind of hits them with everything it has. And we've gone over a number of attacks where the bear sits on the person or jumps up and down on the person, and it's just it completely trying to neutralize that thing that they see as a threat. The way the neck was bit didn't sound like a bear. It could though. be, though. Bears will bite a neck. They'll go for a face or a head just like any other animal. Um, or sorry, but just like he, the way it just was like, described. Yeah, the four. Yeah. I mean, it could be. They have big, four big canines and a bear. Yeah, what when about, I say any other animal, what I mean, that's how they a treat. bear sneaking up quietly and attacking a guy who's sitting there? Like a, nin- yeah. like a wood ninja. That's not necessarily <laughs> something they would do, but... If it were a surprise encounter, say this guy, you know, sat down and there was a bear feeding in the bushes behind or had happened to walk by with cubs and noticed the movement, they can move so quick and so fast that the person doesn't really have time to respond. And it would look as though they had been attacked from behind, you know, without any kind of warning or anything. So for me... What about like the beavers, like they killed the beavers kids so the then beaver. the dad does. Kidding. Kidding. there was a dad beaver. beaver john wick yeah well there is there is a thing in native <laughs> lore called the, the otter man so i do i do think this one for me is really creepy and spooky could be a bear attack what about mind. the two them like these tracks don't the look like bear thing. and it and it looks like it's walking it's on trapper. two legs yeah, and that and and if you know a trapper that's been there for a long time or a hunter would know what a bear track looks like and so that is kind of unexplainable. Bears do sometimes walk on two legs, but it wouldn't do that I in like a defensive attack. It <laughs> I kind of like it. It's, it's very so good. scary. Yeah, it That's cute. like, oh man. It makes it's me feel not, like we're living more in a cartoon world, which I'd rather live in. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, so yeah, <laughs> I do think there's some aspects of it that are very unexplainable from like a biology standpoint. Um, One detail I did catch was uh, you're always saying that grizzly bears smell terrible, Wes. They do. And I'm I'm guessing a a trapper probably would recognize that smell like an experience like these guys seem to be. But maybe, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. And that is like when you said it smelled musty and like old meat and everything. Grizzly bears, especially in regions where they do have access to a lot of carcasses, will eat a lot of dead Could rotten like meat. Old, mm. uh, yeah, and they yeah. smell really bad. Like a couple weeks ago, 
I, we caught a bear that I helped collar and everything. And it was, it smelled awful. Like they just don't smell good because they do eat a lot of rotten stuff. So, and people that are attacked by bears do say they always, you know, in almost all of our stories, they say the smell was overwhelming, like the smell of its breath and the smell of its body was just like Those something they'll never forget. Wrestlers in Wyoming that just got mauled. That yeah. was like one of their details. Yeah. Yeah. So it does happen, but I do think that's a really interesting one and and I think some of that evidence and the whole for me that whole feeling of being watched in like primordial forest is something I can identify with and that's a terrible feeling and you want to get out of there as soon as possible when you feel that way. And having to be there for like three days of that sounds truly terrifying. Yeah, I guess they'd planned to be up there for like a couple weeks and they were just like, nope, we're out. Yeah, no be- no beavers worth this. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Anyway, I think it's cool. And again, the reason we share it is the smell, the two legs, the unidentifiable, yeah. like the noise at night, the rummaging around. You know, I think it is one of those things where, as you say this, I'm like, yeah, a lot of these Bigfoot stories do have a lot in common with bears. <laughs> but, you know, I could also put forth, well, if bears are eating raw meat out there, maybe Bigfoot is too. <laughs> you know, who knows? True. Sure. Yeah. Um, yep. I still... the. Bear was possessed by a demon that was in a there you go. person. There you go. Too. You know, I think that's you know, the most likely. Here's Occam's an interesting. Razor. Here's an interesting theory for you. In nature, there's a lot of animal animals that do mimicry, where they try and look just like another animal. What if Bigfoot, when he knows he's about <laughs> to be seen, can make himself look him or herself look exactly like a bear? Well, Bryce is going to tell you something that might blow your mind. Yeah, you know what what you're talking about is uh, look. We hear in a lot of indigenous peoples' lores about these creatures that they shape shift. I've spoken with witnesses who say one minute they're looking at a tree stump, the next thing they're watching this thing transform into a Bigfoot. So there is a lot of that aspect. Yeah, it's an interesting. And there's- stories of them shape-shifting into bears which and is... shape-shifting into bears so it's, it's and not... bigfoots themselves mimicking the sounds oh, of yeah. the forest as yeah. well wow but, you know i yeah. i want to just sort of lay out some groundwork because coming on your excellent podcast we were like oh well we need to look for some bigfoot attack stories well let me let me tell you something there really isn't that many out there uh these two kind of popped up right away because they're just kind of legendary and 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 they're still sort of on shaky ground as as bigfoot being a uh a malicious and nefarious suspect you know uh the the only sort of other story there is besides that bauman story um, and look, I won't say Bryce is underselling this story. This one is a bit. This one's a real. This is the. This my is story was the appetizer. This is a full-on Quentin Tarantino I, well, movie. Well, it's true, wow. and I like being undersold because yeah. then it's like. Well, because now, I didn't now, have the, now the now yeah. so that's perfect. Now the that's how I live my life. Now the descriptions of of these creatures that are sort of terrorizing uh, this next group that I'm about to tell you about really starts to 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 sound like the Bigfoot that we know of today. So this is the famous incident known as the Ape Canyon incident, and it took place on the backside of Mount St. Helens in 1924. There were some gold prospectors uh, doing some mining out there. Now, for your listeners, I'm just going to kind of stick to the story that they told the papers when they got back. Because Do the weird stuff later. Because there is some weird stuff that a lot of people like to leave out. And, and, and as Michael and I always point out, it's the weird stuff that lead us to the clues that could help us get to the bottom of this. So, But as the story goes, as they were 
found this special gold mine. This was the one, man. This was the payday, and they knew it. But all of a sudden, they see somebody spying on them from behind a tree. There's about four uh, prospectors. One Led of by a named- guy named Fred Beck, sorry. One of, no, yeah, I'm that's okay. Jumping in. It happens. <laughs> and and so this guy named Fred Beck, he sees this seven foot tall, gorilla looking like ape man peeking from behind a tree, watching their endeavors. Now as I, they're can I can I interrupt yes. real quick to say, even still in nineteen twenty four Sasquatch wasn't used and Bigfoot wasn't used yet. So these guys that's call right. them hairy devils, which is one of the things that Roosevelt refers to this thing as being some type of hairy devil or beast. That's right. You know, there's a lot of newspaper articles in and around states in the continental United States going back hundreds of years that usually describe like gorilla style man. It wasn't really until the 50s and 60s that the term Bigfoot got coined by a journalist and that took off. Mm. So as M- Michael's point is apt. Now, in 1924, they see this, Fred Beck sees this creature sort of spying on them and he doesn't like it. So what does he do as he tries to shoo it away? He tries to yell at it. It won't go anywhere. And he takes his rifle and he points at it. Now, most Bigfoot stories where people get this thing in their scope, they can't pull the trigger because it looks too human. Not in Fred Beck's eyes. He fires at this (laughs) thing three times. Hits it. It falls over a cliff, right? He's like, got the bastard. (laughs) He's feeling pretty good. That night, and the story. That night, in their cabin, they start to hear howling, the sounds of like they'd never heard before. Not coming from one proposed creature, but coming from all directions. That they would peek out from the cabin as the sun is going down, and not only do they see one of these creatures, but they see three, four, five, six of them. Apparently, they had pissed off this family grouping. And that led to a night of absolute terror because these creatures invaded this cabin. The four prospectors locked themselves in this tiny log cabin made of stone and wood while these creatures invaded with a barrage of stones thrown from the woods, assaulting the cabin. That was the first attack. And when that didn't work, they started coming to the cabin, trying to shake it, trying to rip at the at the ceiling rafters, <laughs> no way. grabbing in. It's purported that they ripped one off and started throwing stones from on top of the roof, knocking one out unconscious. Yeah, a guy got knocked out by a rock. One of the creatures reached through a window next to the door and apparently was the hand was fubbling around like evil dead style for an axe that was on the wall. (laughs) And one of the prospectors like took took the axe and was like hacking at this thing and it screamed and ran off. Now Michael, that does sound like a bear behavior. They <laughs> yeah. will reach for an axe That's if they fair, coordinate fair enough, a fair enough. Just, yeah. well, As, I'm, as yeah. I'm sure will Wes will note, this is not bear behavior, coordinated attacks in groups. It's not. Uh, it's not. Because this went on all night. And, you know, they were in fear for their absolute lives. Now, it wasn't until the sun started to come up that they saw these creatures sort of retreat back to the uh, back to the safety of the woods. And they basically came back to town and they told their story. They were absolutely horrified. Rangers went up there to sort of verify. They couldn't really find anything. He showed them the cliff where the, the one fell over, but they didn't see anything. There were some interesting... It's a port- super deep... It was like a thin, deep, mountainous crevice. So some whatever... 
if there had been something, it would have fallen in between, deep down in between narrow rock that you couldn't get down into. Well, and if these creatures were as big and as strong and muscular as he was describing, I doubt uh, whatever caliber it, he was using in his rifle would have had much of an effect. So who knows if he got a kill shot? I don't know. Maybe they took the body away. Maybe that's why we never found any bones. Um but the story remains, and, uh, and, and a lot of people were convinced because all four prospectors told the same story, and they were in fear of their lives, and, and, and that became what was known still to this day. That canyon is known as Ape Canyon because of that incident. And uh, Mount oh, wow. St. Helen, Mount St. Helens has a very sort of illustrious Bigfoot lore and mythology in around it because why wouldn't it? It's just absolutely perfect. Also, for don't a forget like Bat Squatch. And Bat Squatch, yes. Although I yes. think Bat Squatch I think Bat Squatch <laughs> came out of Mount St. Helens when it erupted. That's yeah. the that's the legend. Is that like Batgirl? Basically yeah, basically. Yeah. It's basically a giant bat creature that's the size of a Sasquatch. Oh you know what you, I mean? You're losing me on Bat I know. Hey, Michael, man. come on, I set this up and then you just pull I'm the just rug saying, right out from bat- under we got to mention Bat Squatch if I'm we're talking about like the Gremlin and to. Gremlins too. Well, you know, Michael drinks the Bat. Michael's potion. right. You have to mention this stuff because a creature uh, that did look like a giant bat slash Bigfoot came out of Mount St. Helens. And what we didn't tell you <laughs> about the Fred Beck story was when he came across this mind, he had sort of a a mystical visitor that told him not to approach this mind, and he almost got sort of a calling about it, right, Michael? Wasn't yeah, it sort he of- said that like a some sort of spiritual guide told him that there was a mind there and would show him. He would fo- he found it by following glowing yellow glowing arrows. Yeah, but you know, so there's you're like, okay, well, this guy is also talking about this stuff too. So it sounds paranormal in nature. So when you start to mix this stuff together, a lot of people leave that stuff out, but I don't think we should because that's going to clue you in as to what maybe is what's really happening. Because you know, here's the thing. Well, what's what are you saying is really happening? I guess I'm saying people aren't being injured today by Bigfoot. You're wait, huh? The volcano made. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying there aren't any Bigfoot attack stories because Bigfoot aren't attacking people. Wait, so yeah. what are you what is attacking people? What are you saying? I have no f-ing idea. Wait, I thought Bears. you were setting up I thought you were setting up that it was some sort of interdimensional plane where interdimensional entities were crossing over. Listen, it's you certainly... led us to water, and then you told us there was no water there. I'm very confused. <laughs> mm, I appreciate it. Well, here's... I, I don't get like, why the guide was like so, like those arrows and like that spiritual guide was like, don't go in here, Be- because it's like because something's going to throw some rocks at your roof if you do. Or, like it's or not or like he died. Or maybe he's having an altered state of conscious episode, one that's done in a group setting where all four individuals are experiencing something otherworldly. Uh, yeah. perhaps an altered state mm. of consciousness, perhaps a mystical experience. Uh, who knows? But uh, the case is open and the jury is out because l- let me tell you something, you know, there are reports of people going missing in the woods all the time and the numbers are pretty staggering and scary. And there are certain researchers that like to point to some supernatural aspects that might be taking place there. But of all the Bigfoot reportings that are happening, they're coming in by the hundreds loads. 
none of them are of attack stories, you know, and you have to wonder, you have to ask yourself, why not? What, why aren't these creatures actually attacking people? What about the two we just told? <laughs> well, I, you I'm know, they sound like the exception, right? Okay. Those are the exceptions. Yeah. And both of those stories, Michael, point to something maybe otherworldly than just an unconfirmed wood ape. Well, and both of those stories share something similar to me that like both of those parties were there to extract something from Mm. like nature, you know? Yep. And then also both Uh. of them stayed longer than they should have, even though they had been giving like repeated warnings, like and these feelings that they should leave, they continued to stay there. And that's something that kind of stands out to me. And Wes, that's um, why you were visited by those entities in the cabin. Yeah, because I stayed. Because you're good <laughs> at that do, stuff. No, because you know this stuff. <laughs> I I think I, I think for me, the the thing that you it's brought up earlier. Gold. <laughs> yeah, it's because I'm always out there looking for gold. <laughs> Can't wait to get my little hands it's on loosened. some gold. Uh, I do think, you know, when you say the thing about, you know, potentially this being related to indigenous mythology and and skinwalkers and that sort of thing, that for me is a lot easier for me to believe in because if this is like some inter- intermediary beast between, you know, shape-shifting from a person into a wolf or whatever, I like I've always been someone to believe in more that sort of thing than just like, oh, this is an undiscovered species that is just really good at hiding. So I do I think I, I don't know. I think that's interesting, and that plays into this whole like indigenous mythological creature or shaman or shapeshifter would be more interested in protecting these resources in these places than just some ape that's kind of lived there in in hiding forever. It makes me feel good that uh, Bigfoot seem to be friendly, or at least a non-confrontational. I can relate to that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's good to know that there's a whole cryptid. Unless species you're out, out there, there looking for beaver, <laughs> I feel Not, seen. You know, I always thought a Bigfoot is just like there's one of them that never dies mm. and is just around, and that never made sense to me. But like the idea of it, like yeah, being more spiritual makes a little more sense. Yeah, yeah. I think like Harambe was wrongfully killed. It was just trying to protect that kid. This is true. Uh, you know, and nope. I think when spirits. <laughs> are like wrongfully ca- killed there's more they like linger around more often than not so you know there's like Harambe. Harambe. or not more often than not but <laughs> more. i think if harambe like went inside of something and was looking like a ape in a bear that would look a lot like bigfoot how long it takes jeff to bring up harambe is our like kevin bacon <laughs> five steps thing like well time uh-huh. to wind down another episode yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Uh, well, we re- we appreciate those stories. I'm going to think about both of them for a while because yeah. to me, they're absolutely fascinating. Uh, we wanted to launch into some categories. So we always... Yeah, we can do the believe it and not... Or like, what was it? Be- bullshit or believe it in the category. I yeah, think. yeah. Okay. We'll do that as a category. But the second half of our episodes are always kind of loaded up with these categories. And... I have one I'm really curious for their opinion. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Can I just go right yeah, into it? Yeah, just go first? for it. He's he right. can't wait. So Uncaged. hearing you guys like tell your Bigfoot attack stories, we do something where like when we bring in a new animal, we put it in a cage match against other animals that we've mm. talked about. So I'm curious, like from your guys' concept of Bigfoot, what animal, if it was one on one in a cage match, like fight to the death, 
what's like the animal that would give it the best fight? Does it have to be native to where Bigfoot might be native? No, or no, put any, no, any like yeah. I mean, like tiger, like any. I mean, I, I don't think a Bigfoot stands much of a chance against a bull elephant if it's just agreed. <laughs> That's bare knuckle fight. That's like the I think a bull elephant could take care of him. A mountain lion or even an African lion, maybe. Grizzly bear okay. would be hard, but I think like a grizzly. I think grizzly bear has the edge. I think mountain lion doesn't for some reason. You think like grizzly bear yeah, has no. the edge over Bigfoot? Are yeah, you kidding? Yeah, no I do. way. I do. Ooh, oh, we got a we got a fight. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, no, no way. The the things, the capabilities that people actually report. And listen, Michael and I have laid out a case. It maybe there's now something is he more... shooting a ball of plasma out of his chest at yes. the grizzly bear? Are we going supernatural <laughs> Bigfoot or just like? I think we're no, we're just going, we're just going strong straight, man, Bigfoot. straight strong man. We're going your concept, Bigfoot. Uh, you know, look, I think if this creature does in fact exist uh, in in the physical way that so many witnesses describe seeing it, and that this creature is at the top, the very, very top of the predatory chain. He's the Thanos and, of and the forest. No bear, no mountain lion, and even no bull elephant is going to stand a chance. <laughs> really? Yes, from okay. something that's nine foot tall, capable of hurling uh, lumber hundreds of yards, and just human-like intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. Human-like intelligence and able to just uh, race through the forest unhindered. Bigfoot all the way, no problem. It would take six bears to take Bigfoot down. <laughs> human intelligence doesn't... I mean, like, I have human-like intelligence. Games yeah, I imagine he's doing some Tai Chi out there, too, right? He's got to be yeah, like okay. like Jean-Claude kicking those trees. He's got to be practicing think, some form of Bigfoot martial art, right? I do Come on. think For they sure. have learned how to be... If they exist, they've learned how to be, like, so quiet in the woods that you can't hear them coming. So they're again like Bauman's story, Goblin story. They're good at sneak attacks, yeah. like Legolas. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They are. I think. I mean, joke. We joke, but I like if this is some sort of supernatural. If there is a supernatural explanation for Bigfoot, I do kind of liken them to wood elves because you're like, well, they're just nature. They're just forest spirits, then just like elves. Yeah. I like that. We all It'd like be kind of hard to sneak attack someone in a cage match, though. That's true. Mm-hmm. It would. That's Think true. I forgot we weren't doing. That'd this be on impressive if you could pull that off. I had well, a visual. On- I had a visual of like Bigfoot swinging around the elephant's tusk, landing on the head, and then like gouging out the eye with his fist, <laughs> and like ripping That's out his legless. brain, and maybe like that is eating very it, You know, yeah. like yeah. I think he could do that. Now, yeah, now on, yeah, we're I'm on Brass's side. Thank He's convinced me. Yeah, when we do our cage match, we're going to have to have an asterisk, and we're going to have to say, <laughs> except, let's accept that Bigfoot could possibly defeat this creature. Bigfoot's the, <laughs> yeah. Bigfoot and Orca yeah. are the two. Yeah. We're no stranger yeah. to postulating this stuff. We do it all the time on the Bigfoot Collector's Club. We do it every year right. on the Patreon, BCC the other side. We, put so monster, our, we pit monster against monster. <laughs> Our next question, so we another one we always do is generally I'll tell the story and then I ask Mike and Jeff what they would do should they find themselves Great. in an encounter with that particular animal. So this time, um, I we're going to, me, Mike, and Jeff are all going to give our answers of what we're going to do if we find ourselves in an encounter with Bigfoot. And then I'd like you two to explain, if you can, from a, you know, a professional point of view of what someone should actually do should they encounter a Bigfoot or okay. Bigfeet. 
okay, while they're great. in the um, in the forest. So my answer is really easy. I'm hiring John Lithgow to just punch it in the face <laughs> a couple times and yell at it to leave, Solid and it'll answer. leave. Yeah. How much do you think you'd have to pay him? I I don't know, but is that's he, that's my. How much work has he got? I bet recently? John Lithgow's coming for a a fairly cheap rate. Is right he now. on Cameo? <laughs> Let's find out if he's oh, on yeah. Cameo. <laughs> Fiverr. He's not on Cameo. Come on. Oh my god. <laughs> he's a legend. Have, what are we talking about? I'm gonna have a decoy axe that's like just made Plastic out of rubber, one. but looks real. So then it's gonna like go for the axe to try to kill me. And then I'm going to have high-definition video and try to capture it. Because <laughs> if I don't capture it, I'm just going to be, I don't know. I, like, I'll convince myself after a year that I didn't see Bigfoot. Right? <laughs> Mike, what's your answer? That actually got me thinking about, have you, um, have you guys seen the movie Nope? We all three of us went I love to see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. We love Nope. So... Their big plan, I hope I'm not spoiling. Anyone who hasn't seen Nope, you can skip ahead a minute. Skip ahead. a couple minutes. Um, yeah. Nice catch there. But yeah. their whole plan, I know, I'm the king of not spoiling stuff. You, you hate spoilers. I hate them more than any. So their whole plan was to like capture footage of this supernatural being. And you guys saying that that's typically, like A, not what someone would try to do, and B, when they do it, they're usually just disbelieved and cast aside. So... It's kind of recontextualizing that whole movie. That's mm. just a weird aside. Yeah, but. but they are also, those characters are also trying to reclaim filmmaking in that movie because their ancestor was one of That's the first point. movie stars. So they're, they, it's coming full mm. circle for them. They're getting the shot uh, to be remembered by because their their ancestor was forgotten in the first film shot. So that there's, I'm right. just saying, there's that to the theme which yeah, there's, props there's it a up push a and a bit. pull yeah yeah, yeah yeah no it's a good analysis uh thanks <laughs> um yeah. sit down, so that was Mike. just that was just me uh vamping <laughs> because i didn't have a good plan but i think i came up with one so you mentioned evil dead earlier so evil dead 2 he removes his hand by himself mm-hmm. one of the greatest scenes in cinema history and he uh, straps a chainsaw onto his arm instead of having a hand. I think that's what I would do. Mm. I okay. think chains. I think getting a boomstick. You don't have to cut your hand off. You could just use. <laughs> yeah, you could just like use a chainsaw. chainsaw. I mean, you know, <laughs> it seems it does seem weird that you're cutting off a good hand to fight Bigfoot. <laughs> but... My hand's not that good. Okay, well then, yeah. If if it will help your chances, if helping your chances to defeat Bigfoot would be to cut off your good hand and replace yeah. it with a chainsaw, then maybe that's the way to go. We'll maybe do a correction corner on that plan in a later episode. I'll think more about. That's it. on you guys. We can't. Yeah. Be- what what should we do if we see a Bigfoot? Well, um, would bear spray work? We always say bear spray to everyone. I bet bear spray works as good as anything else. I, my thing is Bigfoot does not want. You'll never see Bigfoot. That's kind of my feeling. You'll never know he's there. If you do, mm. he'll be gone in a second. And if he wants you dead, you'll be dead in a second. So I think John Lithgow is maybe the best deterrent just because <laughs> he can emotionally compel a creature, and they tend to want to st- stay around while John Lithgow is there. So he works both as a magnet and a repellent by punching him in the face. Mm. Um but, that's uh, what happened to Harry. Yeah, Harry that's what, exactly. Yeah. With know, bear spray, oh, that's a reference. 
Bigfoot, yeah. they smell so bad that bear spray might not even deter. They'd probably, it's like a drop in the ocean. They're probably like, yeah, bring on some more scent. They yeah. probably just want to yeah. like roll around in it. Scent. It's not it's the same. He like, he like, misunderstood he like, dunks, <laughs> he like pulls out a hot dog and he just pours the bear spray yeah. on the hot dog and eats the hot dog. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe the reason we're not hearing or reading about so many attack stories is because. Um, they're not coming back to us because people do go missing all the time. And as a matter of fact, there's a story of, from didn't a Didn't we named... already get in trouble by saying people go missing all the time in the woods? And didn't Wes clear this up for us? Uh, well, I hold on. But, I, but I, I'm going somewhere with this. There's another great story of a guy named Albert Osman who claimed he was picked up in his sleeping bag and dragged away by a Bigfoot where he met the Bigfoot's family grouping. There was about four of them. And after days of just unrest and, and sort of being their play toy, it wasn't until the bigger one became interested in his snuff, his tobacco that he was putting in his mouth. And he gave it to the big one that took him and he shoved the whole thing in his mouth and had a choking fit. And it was then that gave him the opportunity to escape. He ran down the mountain all the way down the mountain to his own escape. Uh, but that's a tale of, of 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 these creatures taking someone and yeah. and, and just mm-hmm. narrowly. That doesn't make them sound so that Bryce's smart. Bryce's answer to what you should do is give it chewing. Yeah, yeah. bring some give jaw it, and give hope it it'll choke on it. Give it something modern that will like puzzle it and distract it and maybe harm it long enough that you well, like can a, get away. A Rubik's okay. cube? Yeah. Oh, harm it? <laughs> well, I might, I mean, I might one just of the be two. able to annoy it to death. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> like, hey, what are we doing next? What are we, oh, we got to get out there. What? Oh, we're going to rustle up some campers today? They just leave me on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> like that O. Henry story. Oh, what was that? Uh, all right, so another category that we typically have is our favorite blank from pop culture. So whatever species we're talking about, We'll bring up our favorite one from pop culture. So I wanted to ask you guys, what's your favorite cryptid from pop culture? So like movie, TV, Ooh. anything where like a popular cryptid has been displayed or uh, represented. Okay, so cryptid, not alien. Yeah, let's go with cryptid. So like Bigfoot, Loch Ness, you know, the ones you guys have no doubt talked about on wow, this show, is but a not really, aliens. This is a really good question because you have like – so as we discovered over on our Patreon, we watched a, for a year, every month for a year, we watched like some of the worst, like schlocky Bigfoot horror movies. And, and uh-huh. some are terrific because they're so bad. I mean, I would just say if we're going based on movie magic and craftsmanship and character, I, you got to go with Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. I yeah. mean, we've already brought him up, but but I got to tell you, we watched so many Sasquatch movies, and then when we we came back around and watched Harry and the Hendersons, there's no comparison. Like it is <laughs> yeah. the Stan Winston Bigfoot is the best Bigfoot that's ever been on screen. It's the gold standard. Gold have standard. Have you guys have you guys seen Bigfoot versus DB Cooper? You probably have, right? <laughs> we, I think I. I think I pulled that aside to watch it, watch about five minutes of it for the for the Patreon. I was like, I can't make Bryce okay. and yeah. Riley watch this. <laughs> oh, I tried. We'll probably, get, it, we'll probably oh get around to it at some point. We'll yeah. probably get around Have you to seen, it. what's that Bobcat Goldthwaite one, Willow Creek? Is that one good? Bryce, have you seen that movie? It's okay. I hear the guy in it is fantastic. <laughs> Wait, what? are handsome. you in that? Incredibly <laughs> handsome. 
Oh, lead... I need to watch no it. No way. That's me. <laughs> That's him. All right. Bryce I'm is the watch lead it. actor. It's, okay. it's actually good. It's review. It is a yeah. very good one. I think you would appreciate it probably from your point of view. I've I heard think, a lot of good things about it. So yeah, that's why favorably it compared to Blair Witch. I, yes. I haven't seen it, but that's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah, it's for sure the best, and I'm not just saying this because the actor is my co-host, it is for sure the best Bigfoot horror movie uh, available, and, 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 and sort of what led the two of us to doing this podcast, because when oh, we were cool. guest starring on an episode of Major Crimes together, I was like, dude, I ju- I'd literally just watched Willow Creek a few nights before, and I couldn't believe the coincidence that we were working together. And I was like, I just watched Willow Creek. You were great in it. It's so good. Um, it has one of the best suspense scenes I've seen in a found footage horror movie possibly ever. And Bryce is terrific in it. So I'm going to watch it tonight. Oh, oh dude, thanks. you'll love it. Thank you very you'll much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, listen, it's a... It was a journey it's, uh, that set us on this adventure of Michael and I exploring the strange. It was the icebreaker uh, that got us talking about Bigfoot. And yeah. then Bryce was like, have you heard about the interdimensional Bigfoot theory? And I was like, yes, I have. Uh-huh. And then the two of us walked off and sat with our, our uh, on-set lunches and never stopped talking about it. Well, and you That's know, and, so and, cool. and here's what we love about all this stuff. We're just weirdos at heart, you know, and when you talk about stuff like Bigfoot and aliens and the mothman and ghosts you bring a sense of mystery back into your life and back into this world and and you know it's okay to have a question mark about what's left and to discover you know because there's this world is a strange and mysterious place if anything and sometimes it's stranger than we can ever even suppose so all types of weird shit happens um, I will also add the Wendigo from Antlers is fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, that, that is a good, yeah. I have one that's very similar to that. Um, have you guys seen the movie The Ritual? Mm. No. Um, it's a horror movie that's set in Scandinavia, and the the creature design in that one, it features a, like a cryptid from over there, cool. is just like unreal all right well maybe we'll the best i've the, ever seen uh, for the other side yeah we'll sure. take you that and run with that. it yes i'm gonna go with bumble from rudolph the red-nosed okay. reindeer oh that's a great one he's like the snow yeah. yeti who's trying okay. to kill classic him. and scary yeah. very scary <laughs> uh mine's another abominable snowman so do you guys remember the old windows game ski free the one lebron voices yeah <laughs> never no never played it i remember so it's just i'm yeah, it's you got your little skier, and if you are doing well oh, enough yeah. for long enough, basically the end game is trying to avoid the abominable snowman, which I don't think it's possible after it's a not. while. Like it it's just eventually will games. kill you. It's just yeah. like we ran you, out of but... code, so we have to end this before. <laughs> exactly. <you. laughs> yeah, that's probably <laughs> it. <laughs> but, that's a good pick. That's yeah, a fun game. I, yeah, like I was really little when I played that for the first time, and it legitimately scared me. Like I hated. Yeah. <laughs> I loved playing the game, but I hated the snowman because uh, yeah, it just like chomp you down. I know. When I was doing really well, I'd like start to get nervous. <laughs> yeah. It would be fun if you could apply that to real life. Like, okay, so the way to get the Yeti out and about so we can capture him is just you need to ski really well for a very long time <laughs> and then it'll just an, the abominable snowman will come out and then we can get him you'll get mad <laughs> Bryce do you have a favorite cryptid from a movie or TV show um you know I kind of love that Mothman, and for for your listeners who aren't really sure, they made a movie about it starring Richard Gere, Gere called The Mothman Prophecies. 
The Mothman Prophecies was a book written by a Freudian investigator named John Keel. Uh, and he was sort of a boots on the ground uh, paranormal investigator before it was ever even a popular term. And he spoke with witnesses and he went to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where people were seeing this large winged creature with uh, glowing red eyes. And, um, and sort of this creature uh, portended some awful event that happened, a bridge collapsed, killing lots of innocent people around Christmas time. And, and still to this day, uh, you know, people are wondering just what people were seeing in and around Point Pleasant, West Virginia uh, in the late 60s. People have also sort of seen this creature in and around uh, uh, the Lake Michigan area, which is strange, too. So uh, I don't know. I think that Mothman is a very mysterious cryptid that we like to talk about on Bigfoot Collectors Club. Another one, yeah. I yeah, I love Mothman. Another one I thought about was Fluke Man from X Files for doing TV shows. He was the oh, guy who was like the one. flatworm humanoid, right? Yeah, not based on a real thing, but a great, great, t- great cryptid and a mo- original cryptid for a TV show. All right, R- Richard Gere's uh, another guy you could probably get for pretty cheap on Cameo these days. <laughs> like, look, you can get Jason Alexander. No, no, oh, okay. no. John, I mean, you can for over seven hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that's oh, what I was going to say. John Lithgow, not on there, but let's take a look and see if Richard Gere is. Gere's not going to be on there. Come you on. Never yeah, know. So. he's he's too. I don't know what. But the you word know who is, is on the there? We got is Richard Schiff. You know who is Who's on there? On there? Michael and Bryce, look us up on Cameo. Hit us up. We'll talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like as a tandem or you guys work solo or what? Hey, we work solo or we can work tandem. You just let us know. (laughs) I'm not driving over to Bryce's house to do a Cameo. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we have, we also, one thing we wanted to do is we collected a couple stories from some of our listeners uh, and we just wanted to read a couple short ones. Great. That's another category. We usually do listener questions, but we wanted to do it a little different for this Halloween episode. So Jeff's got one and I've got one. Jeff, do you want to go first? Yeah, give me two seconds here. I can go first. I got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm realizing this was a mistake to like read my first listener story on the episode we have professional actors who like are just great at reading lines and don't mess up but here we go oh don't Um, i'll put some suspenseful music under you and (laughs) this is from nicholas and uh he says okay i'm kind of cheating because this isn't a personal encounter which is fine but i'm from louisville kentucky and i think more people should know about our goat man of pope lick creek have you guys heard of this absolutely yeah uh i think we talked about the Pope Lick Creek Goatman when actor actress Maggie Lawson was on the show. Oh, I awesome. might be mistaken about this. I think we talked about it in our episode with Momo. I think because she had heard this so, story. You can you can let me know how spot on our listener okay. is here. But he says he supposedly lives under the trestle bridge, and if you make eye contact with him, you freeze in your path. Your path being a long trestle bridge, which is not a good place to be frozen as there's regular passing trains. Yep. As he has a tendency to jump on cars and will supposedly mimic voices or use um, hypnosis to lure people onto the bridge. And as the name suggests, he is part man, part goat, which is a hell of a spooky combination. I agree. 
I think you could get spookier than that uh, person. I do too. But it's pretty. It's pretty spooky. <laughs> All right, some critique um, from Jeff for a listener. Yeah, depends do on better, if he's Kentucky. Like, yeah, <laughs> is he like a black Philip goat or is he like a cute fainting goat? You know, what kind of goat are we dealing with? Oh, uh, there is a lot of or like a mountain. Is goat. he gonna whisper? Would thou like like to live deliciously in your in your ear? Or is he gonna Hot just goat. kind of? Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> If you guys, if you guys are in Louisville, Kentucky, and you like hear me calling you Wes and Mike, maybe be careful to like follow it. If you like are like, why is Jeff here? Deal, you know? yeah, deal, yep. What's we Jeff doing on that bridge, and why can't we see him? Just to be safe, I'll follow that advice everywhere I go. Yeah, serious. <laughs> yeah, if you hear Jeff, just don't walk in that direction. <laughs> is walk that away. it for your story, Jeff? Uh, yeah, so that's, they were just telling us about the, just yeah, do you guys have anything radar. to add? No, about that sounds like, uh, yeah, why Publix? would we question a native of Kentucky about the public monster? That, that seems all on point. All right. Well, I've got one from Utah that's a potential Bigfoot story. Um, this comes to us from Jeff, another Jeff. Uh, and he, shout out Jeff. Yeah, shout out to all the Jeffs Join out my there. Facebook group just for Jeffs. (laughs) All right. Uh, This took place in early March 2018. I was let out of work a little early, so I thought I would enjoy the last few hours of light up the canyon. This is in Logan, by the way, Logan Canyon. Uh, I have a favorite spot up there, and it's not accessible when there's a lot of snow, so I decided to check it out. Logan, Utah. Sorry, I didn't clarify that. After hiking for about a mile, I decided that I noticed there was a small fawn curled up under some sagebrush. Not wanting to spook it out of hiding, I sat down to watch it, hoping to see more deer. After a bit, I noticed something was off. I snuck up a little closer to find that the fawn was actually a deer's head with a large swath of skin attached to it. Picture a head with a two-foot cape of skin. No body, guts, or blood, or no body, guts, or blood were anywhere near. When I flipped it over, I noticed a hole missing from its cheek, looking very similar to when you take a first bite from an apple. About 150 yards away, I noticed one tree shaking, and then the tree next to it slowly working its way toward me, almost like dinosaurs moving in the jungle in Jurassic Park. Thinking I was about to see a moose or an elk, I sat down under a tree. Well, that reminds me of the first story with Teddy I know. Roosevelt. Everything closing in. Exactly. While watching this, I suddenly noticed the whole forest going quiet, which happened in one of your stories as well. No birds, no nothing. All of this was taking place in a shallow canyon, so I scaled up the side quickly so I could get a better view. Once I started moving, whatever it was would stop moving. Then when I stopped, it would start to move again. It kind of felt like I was being stalked by something. Eventually, I started noticing a really heavy breathing noise accompanying the movement. By this time, it it was that weird time of day where it isn't dark, but all you can see is shapes, and I had my back to the edge of a short cliff. I could hear the heavy breathing coming from a stand of trees about 30 yards away. Deciding it was time to get out of there, I scampered down the cliff and hustled back. After talking to my friends about what had happened, I decided to go back up the next day in the daylight to see what I could find. I started out going toward where I found the deer head and was surprised to see it gone. There was an indent in the snow where it was, and my footprints from the day prior, but no deer head. I hiked up near the cliff I was on but couldn't find any tracks or anything, but I did find I was standing near a ring of stones that was about 18 feet, or half a bus, Jeff, wide. <laughs> Jeff measures everything in buses. Based on how the stones I was about to say that. <laughs> Based on how the stones were half buried, it seemed like they had been there for a while. A while. 
Not sure what my experience was, but some people think it was a skinwalker based off of it happening in between light and dark time of day, and that the stones were a medicine wheel. Others say it was Bigfoot hunting me. So, that's the story. Um, I'm not really sure what to think of it. In my mind, I think it was probably a mountain lion that had a kill and had cashed it and decided to Sounds go like back hunting's and, the wrong word for Bigfoot. Yeah. More like observing. Observing. Yeah. Yeah, spooky story, scary. I mean, Bryce, I know you guys have come across strange deer carcass stuff uh, during Expedition Bigfoot. Uh, yeah, no, uh, that that does sound that does sort of hit some Bigfoot markers in my eyes. Uh, uh, strange structures you find in the woods, whether they're stone or made of wood. Uh, those strange kills. The, some of these reports that you that you read or hear about are these creatures sort of. Uh, just taking deer out and uh you know uh we came across in our show expedition bigfoot this strange kill site where there was just tons of different bones and we tried to get a few of the teeth mark analyzed but uh you know i don't know nature is funny and predation is can be a strange thing as i'm sure you boys know but uh i don't think uh, a predator would put stones in a circle that sounds strange to me perhaps bigfoot that might. is strange yeah yeah well, thanks for sending in the stories, guys. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll get back to our regular listener questions on the next episode. But uh, thanks for all the spooky stories to those of the to those of you whose we didn't read. Thanks for sending them anyway. We Maybe read them we'll all. Get to them later. They're all. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> we we read them. Yeah, I mean, we didn't read on the, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought you meant like we just read the first. Yeah, two, we so. we picked the first two and went with it. <laughs> um, all right, so my last two uh categories our last two categories for you guys uh we always have kind of like a, a conservation aspect to our show we try and explain what kind of conservation measures are, are going on to help the animal that we're talking about or why it might be threatened and i was curious if you guys have any threats that, that you think bigfoot is facing or potential conservation sounds like volcanoes yeah volcanoes <laughs> bigfoot how do you yeah I would say Bigfoot faces the same existential threat we all do. Humans. Yeah. Climate, climate change. change. Habitat loss. Yeah. Okay. Just general habitat Food. destruction. Yeah, I would say, I yeah, exactly. Like water, resource, all that stuff. Okay. All right. That's good Should answer. we do the bullshit or believe it? Oh, yeah. Quick? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we got to do that. Did you have one more? Yeah, uh, let's do mine and then we'll, and we'll end with that. I think great, that's a good thing. Great. To I don't want to I don't want to take away okay. from your show by putting our show on it. <laughs> so our purely edition, Michael. Our last category and this can be real quick. We since it's a Halloween episode, you know, we love Halloween. We love talking about uh, you know, movies and and TV shows and whatnot. Wanted you guys to give us real quickly your scariest horror movie and your least scary horror movie oh. as a recommendation. So I can start uh, mine is one that Mike and Jeff make fun of me quite a bit for, my scariest one. Uh, I think deservedly so. For whatever reason, the first paranormal activity really oh, wow. gets me. It like Number one? Yeah. For Unreal. whatever reason it is, that movie, <laughs> and I love horror movies. Like I'm a big horror movie person. That movie gets me when it comes to being like actually scared. Um, my least scary horror movie would probably be one of the slasher ones. Slasher movies just don't really scare me at all. Mm. Um, so I'll go with it's Scream so 3. I'll go, I'll go next <laughs> because I'm like literally the exact opposite. Like 
One of the most boring movies I've ever watched was Paranormal Activity. Like I, yeah. Like after twenty minutes, I was just like wanting to pound my head on a wall because I. It's a slow just burn, wasn't Jeff. Scared at all? And if you're not scared in a horror movie, then like, it's not what are we fun. doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then my scariest movie I've ever seen is Scream. Scream. Oh. Which I know is like kind of a joke movie. No, it's great. Scream's great. But like it's an the, amazing movie. The but. way they joke about it kind of like like makes you relax and then they like flip it on you and it has like super scary scenes. But something about like a mask and a knife is like my recipe for like the scariest horror movie. Hmm. So my scariest is the descent. Uh, I love that I, movie. I hate Neil caves. Like yeah. they, the claustrophobia, feeling trapped, worrying about cave-ins, like all that stuff. On top of creepy, I don't even know what they were technically if they were based on a cryptid or not. But those little cave people, they're kind the hell of, out of like, me. yeah, they're kind oh, of yeah, like. I, I've got you here. People. I should just ask. I mean, they're kind. <laughs> there's like they're not specifically based on anything, but there are stories of creepy subterranean, you know. Gobliny mole mole creatures, sure. Okay. Okay. Uh least scary. Uh anything involving a doll. So Chucky, I guess. Any of the Chucky movies or Annabelle. Um I just feel like I could uh win win in a fight against <laughs> Chucky. Just like swing his little legs and his head against the wall or something. But I don't know. All right. Yeah, I should watch it again. Yeah. Uh, possession scares the f*** out of me. So Shining, oh. The Exorcist, uh, stuff where great. there's like a good precedence for maybe that stuff could actually happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm I, with you I there. don't want that stuff. And then uh, not... <laughs> I don't really consider Shining a possession. No, I don't know. It could be like... Kind of. Well, that house was haunted, right? And he might have taken on yeah. a few of the entities that, no, were, it... that were there. It also might have been a psychosis of his own making, but... Uh, but but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I felt like he might have been possessed uh, by something there. Uh, and then for for the least scary, uh, I don't know. Maybe Ghoulies is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a good pick. <laughs> All right, Michael. Um, I think the Changeling with George C. Scott is one of the scariest haunted house movies I've ever seen. That's a good movie. I haven't um, seen it. I got to put it on the list. It's great, great Halloween movie. I also would put uh, The Shining up there and Hereditary as movies Lari that after me just, long yeah. after mm. I had been, you know, for years Hereditary after I watched the, only the movie. Possession movie that like really got me. Um, so good. I think least scary movie probably. I still know what you did last summer. That's a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good movie. I was scared in that one. All right. <laughs> So for our final category, then we'll do um, it's bullshit or believe it. Is right. that the name? Yeah, um, and bullshit we can have Mike, or believe it. We could have Mike be the uh, the person that's giving the answers. Me and Jeff have done it. Yep. So if you guys want to hear mine and Jeff's answers, you'll have to listen to our episode on Bigfoot Collectors Club. Great. But Mike, you ready to answer? Oh, I'm ready. I've been waiting. Okay, Mike. Okay. So I'm going to go down a list of phenomenon rapid fire. And you have to, if you're open to it, you're going to say believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. Uh, okay. And I'm also going to give you the Halloween version. It's the same version that Wes and Jeff got when they were on the show. So we have a regular year version and then we have a seasonal version. You're getting the seasonal version so Great. everyone can compare. 
This is a game we call Bullshit or Believe It. All right, Mike Smith, on your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Uh, Bull. Aliens. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Zombies. Bull. Werewolves. Believe it. Shapeshifters. Believe it. Ouija boards. Uh, Bull. Shadow people. Uh, bullshit. I don't know what that is. Dark, dark, <laughs> sh- shadowy entities that might lurk around your house or... Yeah, no. Horror movies. I've seen those in your house. Believe it? Witches. Uh, bull. Portals to hell. Uh, believe it. Curses. Uh, believe it. Demons. For sure. Believe it. Things get weird when there's a full moon. I mean, I said I believe werewolves, so sure, yeah. Psychic vampires. Psychic vampires. Uh, bull. <laughs> Regular vampires. Um, bull. Black magic. Believe it. Fortune telling. Believe it. Egging a house. I believe it. Haunted dolls. <laughs> bull. Bat squatch. Believe it. Oh, are you kidding me? Spiders are scary. Uh, bull. Candy corn. Believe it. Reese's peanut butter cups. Bull. Dressing up for Halloween. Believe it. Reese's pe- well, well done. First of all, Reese's peanut butter cups bullshit. I'm telling you, they were my favorite candy until I caught COVID, and now they taste like burnt hair and onions. No, it's the tragedy of my life. Chocolate and peanut butter are best friends. That's all I'm. They gonna are. Say. We all agree. Post COVID, no, that sucks. Yeah. I've tried. I try every couple of months, and it's. I haven't recovered yet. No. He has Jeff to thank Should have been that. safer about. Not getting COVID. <laughs> I know. That's Very my helpful, bad, Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> we all got it from Jeff. I gave Jeff. it to him. Yeah. Honestly, if, if, if COVID took away my taste for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, I, I don't know what I would do. I'm it so was a cri- It was truly a crisis. It sucks. It still it's is ongoing. It's been for Mike ever since. Oh, um, yeah. All right. Well, we won't keep you guys any longer, but we'd love to hear a little bit more about your podcast before you go. Sure. Well, it's a podcast where Bryce and I basically have conversations like the one that you heard, uh, usually focused on a story of high strangeness. And then we have amazing guests on where we share personal stories of of their paranormal history. Uh, We do the show alongside Riley Bray, who is a very talented, not only a very talented on mic producer, but also a very talented musician. And he'll often score the stories that we tell on the show. It's, it's just hanging out uh, around a virtual campfire telling spooky stories and hearing people's uh, thoughts on the paranormal. Bryce, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We like to have a lot of fun. And uh, it's not just cryptids, Bigfoots. It's aliens, mystical states, altered states of consciousness, psychedelic. We talk about anything that's strange. Uh, and, and we have a lot of fun doing it. So come join us over there. If I could give a suggestion of where people... Sure. Uh, so, if you're not super into the cryptid vein of things, your guys' episode on Atlantis was a really easy entry point for me. I loved that episode. Oh, wow, great. And it was like, it wasn't... I know I can understand how some people would be like, I don't want to hear people talk about Bigfoot, but that's not all that you guys do. You cover all kinds of different yeah. stuff, and it's always really good. Pretty much we stay in the paranormal, cryptid, UFO, and esoteric lanes. We tend to avoid true crime, and we tend to avoid conspiracy theory, outright conspiracy theory. But every now and then those, you know, cross over into our realm and we try to deal with those as we as we must. But we like to keep it, you know, if you like to look, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. But if you're the type to like 
you know, light one up and think of weird stuff, then <laughs> our show's probably for you. Hey, Mike, do you think maybe they should listen to the episode me and Wes were on? <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> they get enough of you guys. That's true. They get more than enough. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, we'll definitely, next time we have a big cryptid question, we'll have you back on. Great. Thank you. We get a lot of people asking us about cryptids. So awesome. Yeah. This will be a, a good start. I, yeah, this for was us. a lot. Of fun. Can I just say, too, for an additional plug, I have a second podcast that's not about any of this stuff called Slate Your Name, where I'm just talking to other actors and creators in the entertainment industry about their like horror stories about their careers and some of their big wins and stuff. It's very fun. Bryce has been on an episode. So if you want to avoid this topic altogether, but you were like, I kind, Wes I kind of like that Michael much guy. A celebrity, if yeah, you right. ever want it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, check that out. Slate your name. Also, wherever you get podcasts. Cool, sweet, perfect. Great guys. Thanks. Well, thanks again, and we will talk to you later. Anytime. Thank you guys. It was such, it was such a blast having you on the show. It was so great to be over here. We yeah. know, we yeah, know, we our our listeners loved you guys. So uh, uh, anytime. Okay. All right. Thanks, Michael. See you, Michael. Uh, see you, Bryce. See you guys. Bye. See you, Bryce. I spaced your name. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.